Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Well, welcome to week one of Red Letter Challenge. How things often work here is in the fall, I am planning out the entire sermon calendar for the next year, and there's this big blank of weeks for early fall, and I am just waiting for Pastor Ryan to come and tell me what he and his team came up with, where we're landing, what kind of a church-wide series we're going to do in the fall. And uh, so he told me about Red Letter Challenge. I watched the introductory video, and I had a few things that just immediately came to my mind. Uh, The first one was this. I was asking myself the question, Doug, how long since you have owned or read a Red Letter Bible? Uh, Because I can clearly remember single digits, maybe early double digits, I had a Red Letter Bible. How many of you, have you ever had or read through or have a Red Letter Bible? Yeah, it's all the words of Jesus are in red. So you get an idea of Red Letter Challenge exactly where we're going. Now, my second random thought, uh, just totally outside the box, uh, it's easier to show it than it is to explain it. Let's take a look when I saw that video. Random thought, Bender, Doug Bender, licensed to marry and to bury, right? Come on. Just James Bond came to my mind with that video. Now, my third random thought about Red Letter Challenge, what comes into my weird mind, I went clear back to high school. I went to color day. Uh, Some of you don't remember color day. Some of you do. Oh, man, we were the class of the red and white, right? Not that blue and gold junk. That's my lovely bride, by the way. Not married yet, just to be clear. Um, But uh, and color day, man, there was something that was so much fun. It was good, clean fun. Uh, That rivalry between our class and other classes and, uh, you know, you decorate the cars. You'd go out early in the morning with water balloons and squirt guns to try and take out the other cars. And as a matter of fact, that is my most memorable um, uh, thing from Color Day. It was the following year we switched to the red and white S10 pickup truck uh, out early in the morning, you know, hour before school starts. We get hit in the windshield with a water balloon which the guys had the brilliant idea to put in the freezer the night before. Windshield was just gone, right? Just shattered. But one of the things I loved about Color Day, it brought us all together as a class. College prep, Votech, it didn't matter. The preppies with their collars up, the slackers, whatever, it brought us all together as a team. And that's what I love about our church-wide series when we do this in the fall. Because for 40-some weeks of the year, our small groups, they're like free range. Do what you want. But we say at this one time, can we bring all of our groups together? Are we all rowing in the same direction? So the people, you know, it's people you don't even know yet. If they're in a group, if they're part of the series, you can talk to them when they're in the hallway. You can talk to them online, whatever, about what you're learning, what you're doing through this church-wide 
series. It just brings us all together. It's a unifying piece. And I just love that about how we operate as a church. Now, the Red Letter Challenge, what we're all about, the words of Jesus. If you work your way through the Gospels, it's more than half the words in the Gospels come from the mouth of Jesus. They're the red letters of Scripture. That's where we're going. And what do we do with those words? We, we memorize them. We quote them. We write books and blogs about them. Uh, we post them on social media. All good stuff. But Jesus didn't ask us to do any of these things. He asked us to do them. He asked us to put them into practice. And that's where we're going for 40 days, just saying, hey, we're going to go over the words of Jesus, go over the big things he talked about, and we're going to live them out to the best of our ability. We're going to put them into practice. Let me give you a couple examples of where Jesus says it's so important, uh, where Scripture says it's so important to do what we hear, to apply the words of Jesus. Jesus himself in Matthew 7, he says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, right? There's this hearing and doing go together. It's not just hearing. It's putting them into practice. Different situation, different context. Jesus says it again like this in Luke 11. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Jesus, in a, in a very kind way, is saying, don't be spiritually fat. Don't be spiritually fat. I mean, don't raise your hands, but do you know any spiritually fat people? I mean, there is not a Sunday school that they will turn down. There's not a Bible study that they will turn down. I mean, podcasts, books, they are just stuffing themselves full of all good Jesus stuff. Spiritually fat because they're not exercising their faith. All this knowledge, all this puffed up, but they're not living it out. They're not putting it into practice. And Jesus says, don't be spiritually fat. One other example about this. James, the brother of Jesus, he explains it like this. James says, but don't just listen. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're playing the role of a fool, right? Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror, and then you see yourself, you walk away, and you forget. And he goes on. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says... If you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I mean, how often do we hear something and then just forget what we heard? Like all the time, right? Denise will testify. Um, you know, she asked me to do something. I didn't write it down, or in my family, it's really odd. I, you could, I asked them to send me an email, right? Send me an email you don't want to be in my family, right? Because if I don't write it down or if I don't get an email, I forget about it. But when you actually listen to it and then you do it, it makes a memory. It makes an impression. It sticks with you. And it's the same way with Jesus' words. Not just hearing them, but when we go out and we practice them, when we do them, when we live a life of faith, putting it into practice, it sticks with us. It 
forms our character. It imprints Jesus on us. And that's where we're going for six weeks, talking about the words of Jesus and talking about doing the words of Jesus and sharing our experience as we put the words of Jesus into practice day in and day out. And there's five key areas that Jesus talks about again and again. We're going to hit five of them. There's a lot of other things that Jesus talks about, but we're going to talk about being because we all get that doing comes out of being. Do you understand that? You're in a relationship with someone, a really good friend. You're married, a child, a parent. And all that you do is you do for them. You do for them all the time. You do all these great things for them. But you never spend time with them. What's the state of your relationship? Right? It sucks, right? You get yourself in trouble because you need to be in a relationship. And Jesus wants us to be in a relationship with him, our heavenly father. And then we're going to talk about forgiving. And how hard it is for some of the times for us to accept God's gift of forgiveness for our lives. How hard it can be for some of us to forgive those that have harmed us, intentionally hurt us, said bad things about us. And for some of us, man, being able to forgive yourself. Why is that so difficult for some of our personalities and we just keep beating ourselves up again and again from our faults, our failures, our past. Then we're going to talk about serving, because you know Jesus talks about serving. He gets his disciples going and doing. And then giving. You know, you, it, a Christian who is not generous is an oxymoron, right? It just goes together. When you're a Jesus follower and you take on the character of Jesus, it just becomes natural for you to be generous with the people around you with all of your resources, and then going. Not just, you know, being for ourselves, but going out into the world, serving Jesus, loving Jesus, like just making him known in our families and our community and to the ends of the earth. And when we land here on week six going, it's going to be one of our experiential Sundays. We'll be having communion together different stations set up in the corners where you'll be able to express what God was doing in your life over this 40-day adventure. So we can just open up our hearts to the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. Because Jesus' invitation was incredibly direct, incredibly simple. He invited people again and again, and he still invites you and I today to simply follow him. Follow him. He led the way. He modeled the life. He, he gave some pretty clear instructions. And he says, follow me. Put into practice what I've taught you. And it's straightforward and it's simple, but it certainly isn't easy, is it? There's often a disconnect between the way that we describe Jesus and the way that the outside world describes Jesus' followers. So if I could, just, just for a minute, throw out some things. When you think about Jesus, who he is, his character, and you can just yell this out, you can type it in chat if you're online, what comes to your mind? Some, some describers of Jesus. What words come to your mind? Throw them out. 
Love, thank you, wonderful, a great word, love, you're such shy people, there is no wrong answer, I will not come down and rebuke you, I promise, I'll just get a weird smile, that's all that'll happen, it's the worst, right? Come on, what else, what else when you come to Jesus? Empathetic, Empathetic, yeah. Trust, forgiving, patient, gentle, did I hear? Compassion, yeah. Generous, giver of life. You know, you might say all the fruit of the Spirit, and like the list goes on and on. We have a pretty clear idea of what Jesus is like. Let's go back just about eight months. November 2001. Survey was done from targeting non-religious people. Non-religious people. And the question was simply this. How would you describe Christians, right? Non-religious people from the outside looking in, how would you describe Christians? It's a couple months old. 55% said Christians were hypocritical. 54% said that they were judgmental. 50%, half, said that they were self-righteous. And then the survey revealed this huge disconnect, this huge gap between the way that we, Jesus followers, view ourselves and the way the outside world views us. 71% of us consider ourselves compassionate. Only 12% of the non-religious think Jesus followers are compassionate. 60% of Jesus followers considered themselves as honest 7% of the outside looking in consider Jesus' followers honest. And I get it. I understand that a part of this is what they're hearing from the media, from social media. You know, it seems like somehow Christianity has all become a part of when a mega pastor falls or a well-known apologist or TV evangelist or author or singer. And, you know, anytime that there's corruption or a failure, it makes the news. It's not positive news. And I get that that gives us a bad rap. But I'm certainly not dismissing this. Because I I do believe that the American church as a whole, I, I mean, I believe we deserve part of this. Let me go back a little bit further in time. When the stats weren't quite as harsh. Let's go back to 15 years. Some of you have read the book Unchristian by David Kinnaman. And he is a Jesus follower, and he was just interviewing people who have walked away from church or were never even interested in joining in church and asking them about their experience. And they had all these huge describers of how they would describe Jesus followers. And he got to the why. Well, why do you feel that way? Why do you feel that way? 50%, this was 15 years ago, 50% responded the reason they had negative views is because of a personal encounter that they had with a Jesus follower. Do you get that? He said it like this. This is a quote from him. He says, Many of those outside of Christianity reject Jesus because they feel rejected by Christians. We're all broken. We all miss the market times. I, I fully get that but I do believe that Jesus wants us to live out life in such a way that we draw people to him, that we draw people to Jesus and we draw people to his bride 
the church. Not because we're perfect, not because we got it all together, but simply because then we are living out the words of Jesus. We are putting into practice what he has asked us to put into practice. But we miss the mark also often, don't we? If Jesus is known for grace, which is getting a free gift that you don't deserve, and we're known for judgment, which is getting what you do deserve, we failed miserably, right? By definition, judgment and grace are opposites. We've missed the mark. If Jesus is known for unity and we're known for division, we've missed the mark. If Jesus is known for his good works and we're known for our hypocrisy, we've missed the mark. And across America, it just feels like we've missed the mark again and again. And there's just been these huge, dire consequences when we don't represent Jesus well, when we don't live out what he taught us to live out. This past week, I was with three other staff members and we were up in New Jersey at this conference and it was a great conference. We're talking about the hard stuff of ministry for the past couple of years and talking about some of the hard things going forward that we have to deal with, that we have to navigate. I went to this breakout with Warren Bird. I've known Warren for almost 30 years. And he put this one screen up that just, just stopped. Just put me at a full stop. Couldn't even listen to anything else. This is the American church over 20 years pre-pandemic. Now the great news is Crossroads, man, our trajectory has been quite different in 10 years of this time. But I loved how we added this to the graph. If the pandemic and all things 2020 serve as that great accelerator like they are in other parts of life. This is the future of the American church. Continue to go down and things remain unchanged. But I love this. If a Jesus movement occurs, if a Jesus movement occurs, how do Jesus movements occur throughout 2,000 years of history? People go back to the words of Jesus. They don't use them to prop up what they think, what they want, what they think is right. They don't use them as a prop to accomplish their purpose. They go back to the words of Jesus and they put them into practice and they live them out when it seems co so countercultural to the world around us. And they stand out because, come on, sometimes we can just be weird in all the right ways, right? As so we follow Jesus. And we draw people to Jesus. And our lives point people towards Jesus. And they draw them into his bride, the church. That's the way that Jesus' movements get started. And I so believe, I've always believed, that come on, when you and I, we represent Jesus well, when we're living out what he has taught us and asked us to live out, we just draw people in. People are drawn to Jesus. Who isn't drawn to a loving, compassionate, generous, graceful, forgiving God and Savior? Who isn't drawn to people who represent him well? And that's the challenge that we're going in for the next five weeks here 
in our worship services. It's where we're going for the next six sessions for those of you that are going to join into a small group. We understand there are just real consequences when we don't represent Jesus well, when we don't put into practice what he has taught us. And we're just going to challenge one another to live it out. Sometimes it'll be awkward. Sometimes we'll fail miserably and we'll laugh. But together we'll be stretched, we'll grow. Christ's character will be formed in us more and more and more. We're called to bring people closer to Jesus by how we live, by what we find important, by how we interact and love those around us. So let's go back to where we started. Those initial words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. For context, this is at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. After that long, lengthy, turn the world upside down, paradoxical uh, teachings of Jesus. He lands the plane. He, he wraps up the sermon with these words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And Jesus paints this incredibly clear picture, doesn't he? You want to be known as a wise person? You want to have that house, that life that stands through the storms of life, through those relational stressors, through that financial, through those health crises. You want a house that will stand the test of time. You build your life on the rock-solid foundation a living out what I have taught you, what I have modeled for you. You put it into practice. When you do that, your house will look a lot more like this. Your life will look like this, man. The storms come. The waves are battering everything around you, even in the hardest, most desperate times. But your house, your life will stand firm. Doesn't mean it's easy, but you'll pass the storms of life as you live out the words of Jesus. I mean, this passage, has anybody ever thought that that passage would make a great song? You know, you might be thinking, well, the wise man builds his house upon the rock, right? Now, I don't have a singing voice, but should we just all sing this together uh, just to make sure we get this passage down? You, you, I, it, I'm, I sound horrible, trust me, but should we sing it together? You want to sing with me? You ready? I'll, all right, here we go. No, no, oh, sorry. I, I, I wasn't ready. Sorry. Let, let me try that again. Here we go. Just give me one second. My house don't wiggle, wiggle. It stands. Oh, that's not the song you were thinking about, is it, right? If you don't get that pop cultural reference, ask your kids or grandkids, right? Jesus, help us and teach us something else. All right, come on, let's continue on. But Jesus continues on. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and man, the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Once again, Jesus paints this incredibly clear picture. If you just study my words, if you just memorize my words, if you just write about my words, if you just have great theological discussions about my words, if you do all those great things, but you don't put them into practice, you are a fool. And when the storms come, it's game over. You will crash. You will not stand the test of the storms of life. In other words, your life, it'll look a little bit like this, Outer Banks. Outer Banks, four months ago, now listed on Airbnb. <laughs> Zero steps to the water. <laughs> Sunken living room. Water views from all four sides. Just won't stand the test of time. So for 40 days, can we just join in this adventure? Just digging into the words of Jesus, but not just studying them, just really prodding one another on to live them out. If you want to join in this challenge, man, there's so many different ways you can mix and match. Uh, watch or listen to the sermon series. You might not make it here every week, but come on. You, you can like watch us on demand. Podcasts are available later Monday. If you have a 15-minute commute to work, You'll finish the sermon in one day on your way in, your way back out. This is a time where we really say, man, this is a great time to taste and see what a small group's really like. Join one of our community groups. Oh, we have 15 community groups that are doing the red letter challenge. Uh, groups are offered all throughout the week with the exceptions of Monday and Friday. And maybe you want to start a Monday or Friday group. Another thing is you can read the daily scripture and on your e-news yesterday, there's like a PDF link that just lists the scriptures and some of the challenge. You can just, you know, you might not hit all 40. Maybe you only hit 12. Give yourself grace. It's okay. If you don't get the e-news and you want to, make a note. If you can't find it, email the church office. We'll make sure you get that reading plan. Uh, there's also a journal, a, a more of really of a study for your experience. I think Pastor Ryan has currently 50 of these out there. They're free to you. If you really want to dig in deeper for 40 days, this is a great way to go about that. And then really invite others to share the experience. This isn't something that has to be private, kept to yourself. You, you can tell people around you, even people that aren't Jesus followers. Guys, I'm going to just, like, just call me crazy, uh, but for like the next five weeks, uh, whatever, I'm going to be trying to study Jesus' words and just live them out in my everyday life. Would you like to join me or at least watch and see what it goes? I'll tell you some of the stories along the way. Now, some of you, you know, you hear the word challenge and like you're all in. Uh, you love challenge. Uh, you know, you are thinking about this like the amazing race. Or you're thinking about this like survivor. Uh, you just can't wait till you get into your small group and you have those tribal councils and you get to vote somebody off the island, right? You are just so excited. Okay, that 
won't really happen, right? But you want to challenge. That's your nature. Majority of us are probably a lot more laid back than that. You might be thinking, it's all good. I don't need to be a part of this. I'm a Jesus follower. Just going to ask you to step it up a notch, but just really lean in and give this a try. But throughout the journey, come on, you and I, we're, we're going to mess up. We're going to miss the mark. So would you just give yourself grace? Would you give other people grace around you? We want our groups to be, we want our relationships to be places where we can say, you know what, guys, uh, this past week, uh, I did nothing. I, I know I was supposed to, but I just want to be honest with you, I did nothing. Just want to be honest about where we're at. So give yourself grace, give others grace, and also be patient. It's not going to be like, oh man, 40 days later, I mean, people are looking at me and calling me Jesus. No, it's not going to be like that. Discipleship, spiritual formation is a lifelong process. Be patient. See what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the next 40-some days in your life. But can we just give our lives over to God? Can we give our church over to God? May we be a church that just goes a different way than those statistics. May we represent Jesus so incredibly well to a broken and hurting world around us that they're drawn to Jesus, that they're drawn to his bride. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are for your character. And we just want to take more and more of that on in the weeks to come as we learn what it looks like to just live out your word. May we not do it in our own strength. Holy Spirit, we're just looking to you. Equip us, empower us, motivate us, challenge us, stretch us, and grow us. The times that we mess up when we miss the mark, when we give ourselves grace, when the people around us miss the mark, when we give them grace, and as you are so incredibly patient with us, may we be patient with ourselves and the people around us as we learn and grow together, as we put into practice the red letters of Jesus. We pray this all in his most precious name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.